I'm not talking about Fidel Castro and his oppression. I'm talking about Malcolm X and what he's done for people. No, I realize uh, you're not talking about it because it's uncomfortable. What Fidel Castro did do is they have the highest literacy rate because they invest more in their education system than they do in our prison system, which we do not do here. Now here's your host, Alex Dreisick. Welcome back to Moose's Mulligans here. 760-814-0740, the number for the program. 760-814-0740. That opening audio clip is Colin Kaepernick being interviewed by a Miami Herald reporter on the 17th leader of Cuba, former leader Fidel Castro. We'll get into the importance of this. Oh, why do you off by talking some NFL, and we're going to preview the AFC East and NFC East first today. So, starting with the AFC East, we have a hot topic in Miami with Ryan Tannehill's knee. There's been a lot of talk about who should be the quarterback for them to replace Tannehill. Now, I think the obvious answer and the easiest answer is Matt Moore. Matt Moore is a backup quarterback last year, led the Dolphins to a 34-13 victory over the Jets and a 34-31 win at Buffalo, passing for about 230 yards in both games, and he played very well in those games and led them to a wild-card appearance. Matt Moore would also be an easy decision because he's already under contract for the Dolphins, and it wouldn't hurt them in any cap space situation to keep Matt Moore as their starting quarterback right now until they figure out what's going to happen to Tannehill. Now, the question would be, who would be the backup quarterback for Matt Moore? Now, Jay Cutler has been a choice from the Chicago Bears and previously Denver Broncos. He said he would only come to Miami if he's a starting quarterback. So I don't know if Adam Gates wants to deal with that. I know I wouldn't want to deal with that right now, especially if I have Matt Moore in my pocket, who's played for me before and has played well and has chemistry already with his receiver core. The other question comes up then, if you don't want to spend the cast base and the risk on Jay Cutler, is do you bring in Colin Kaepernick? Now, the only chance you bring in Colin Kaepernick is depth. I'm not saying he's going to be your starting quarterback right away. He's got to compete for the job against Matt Moore. But there are issues that come in with Kaepernick, and I'm not just talking off-the-field issues. The first issue is, is that he's a mobile quarterback. Mobile quarterbacks get hurt a lot. He's been very smart. He's avoided injury pretty well in his career with taking hits, but it is still a risk. It's still the Michael Vick, the Cam Newton effect. you got to be careful taking hits in the NFL. Getting to the -the off-the-field issues, the sound clip that we played for you showed that Kaepernick had worn a Fidel Castro shirt, and that reporter from Miami, it was Miami Herald, had totally called him out on it. See if... He asked him if he knew the extent of wearing that Fidel Castro shirt, what he was representing. Kaepernick came back saying, you know, I've worn a Malcolm X shirt, and blah, blah, blah. But he specifically directed him to, you're wearing a Fidel Castro shirt. Do you know what that represents? Now, going to Miami, that's going to be tough. You know, that's a very, very heavy area to be talking about Fidel Castro. So his off-the-field issues, he's going to have to pick and choose a little bit better when he fights these battles. 
I think the real difference we see with Kaepernick is that when Bill Russell and players like Roberto Clemente were standing up for oppression back in the 60s and 70s, they did it off the field in street clothes. They weren't doing it on the field, taking a knee in the uniform right before a game. A lot of sports for people is their getaway from the politics, the getaway from their regular life. They get to cheer or boo whatever team that they feel that game and get to cheer and have a good time. They don't want to be bothered by the politics of these decisions during a football game. So you do have to take that into account with Kaepernick. But the real reason, I'm okay with them adding Kaepernick as long as it's depth, not to make him the immediate starter. I think Matt Moore is the answer. And when September 1st cuts come, then Miami can look for a backup to Matt Moore for a third string. It'll be cheaper on the cap, and you never know who might come available. I like guys like Chase Daniel, and there are a few others that might be free agents coming up soon. For the rest of the preview on the Dolphins, it really does tie into their division. They're going to be playing the Patriots twice, the Bills twice. It's going to be very difficult. I look at their depth chart, and their offensive line has gotten better, but I don't know, I don't know if it's good enough to try to win right now. And they got some young receivers in Landry and Parker. They've got a young running back in Ajayi. And, you know, if Tannehill's out this year, you use Matt Moore. You get a cheap third string. And you see how your year goes. But I don't think it's the time to buy right now for a win like with a Jay Cutler type. Now, you look at the teams they're playing. The New England Patriots have obviously built up quite a lineup there. We'll see what happens with Mike Gillisley, Deion Lewis, and James White. They are very good receiving running backs with Tom Brady. So we'll see how that goes. Their wide receiver core stays intact while adding Brandon Cooks, which should be a great add and take some pressure off Rob Gronkowski a little bit. And their defense is still hanging in there. You know, they traded away Jamie Collins for whatever reason. They said it wasn't for not doing it the Patriot way, but he's gone now. Also with Rob Ninkovich retiring. Now Dante Hightower has to step up. Malcolm Brown has to step up. So we will we will see with Howard on the pup how he comes back. They added Stephon Gilmore from Buffalo. We'll be going against them, which I think will actually end up being a big impact this year. Now, I'm not saying that the Jets are going to go 0-16. There's always that opportunity with their, with their personnel right now, but they play at the Browns week five. And week four, they actually play Jacksonville, and I think they have a shot in that game. Uh, they play Carolina week 12, they have a shot. And the only reason I kind of doubt they'll beat the Saints is because it's at New Orleans, not their place. But, you know, there's there's a chance that they don't go 0-16. I could see them winning a few of these games. Now, the other team in this division we haven't talked about is the Buffalo Bills. Now, they have a good, strong receiving core, as we know. And Tyrod Taylor is a mobile quarterback, which worries me these days with the amount of hits they take and these bi- how big and fast these guys are that are hitting them these days. We'll see. Uh, they lost Gillisley, which I think is going to make a bigger impact than we think. Their, o- their offensive line needs a little more improvement still. But playing the Patriots twice and the Dolphins' defense twice is going to be no easy cakewalk. So they're going to have to be the dark horse in this division to try to get a wild card spot. All right, now we're going to switch over to the NFC. We're going to look at the NFC East. How about them, Cowboys? And Cowboy fans are going to be excited to hear this one. I mean, I predict the Cowboys to win the division right now. Now, it's not as much of a runaway as you think. The only reason I have them winning is the... New York Giants offensive line has been atrocious, and I don't think it got much better. So Eli Manning in his 36-year-old season, it's going to be difficult. It's going to take a lot of hits. But he does have an unbelievable wide receiver core to to get it off to. The question is, will he have enough time to get it to them? Their defense is 
I would say stellar and the most underrated in the league, right with Jacksonville. But their schedule will play into it. We never really know strength of schedule, but playing Dallas twice is going to be tough. The Redskins are underrated, I think. It's it's going to be a tough road for the Giants, but I think they can do it if the offensive line can keep Eli Manning upright and keep the running game around 100 to 150 yards a game. But that's a lot to ask for with that line. Looking at the Cowboys at the favorites in this one, I think their offensive line got a little bit, little bit less as impressive now that other teams have been adding on, like the Cleveland Browns and other teams, and the Tennessee Titans have taken this approach. You, you really start to see how strong an offensive line can lead a team. So I think they're still really good with that offensive line, but their defense is a little weak to me. It's still a weak part. Uh, I also look at the fact that Ezekiel Elliott has a second year coming up. We'll see if there's a little sophomore slump. And I feel their wide receivers are a little overrated. So moving on to the last part of this division, uh, the Redskins have the chance to play dark horse in this one, like I said, with the Buffalo Bills. You've got Kirk Cousins on a contract year. I'm really excited to see how he does there. You add some good running backs to go with Fat Rob. And then you have wide receivers with Terrell Pryor coming in to help Garcon. Yes, Deshaun Jackson's gone. But I would say Crowder would be a very reliable target for Kirk Cousins all year, which should help this team. And if Jordan Reed stays healthy, then they're a serious threat. But that's all on Jordan Reed's head, literally. The last team in this division is the Eagles. I really am mean to the Eagles because they let Chip Kelly go pretty quickly, I think. I think you need to give him the opportunity to bring in his recruiting class, and they didn't. Now, Peterson's done a good job. They have a good rebuild going. They learned. They built O-line and D-line, which has really improved and should help their team. They added LeGarrette Blunt to be a goal-line threat. And uh, Carson Wentz really really showed at the end of the year that he, he can be an NFL quarterback. So they'll be better than I thought, and I'm still not giving them that much credit. For all I know, they'll do better than the Redskins. There is that opportunity. But I'm betting more on the Redskins than the Eagles, and I have the Redskins as my dark horse and not the Eagles. All right, that's all the football for today. We're going to take a quick pause here, and then we're going to bring in Mark Berkowitz to talk MLB trade deadline. So stay tuned here on your favorite sports podcast, Moose's Mulligans. Back here on Moose's Mulligans. That break brought to you special delivery by Bonzel Postal and Imaging. Go to bonzelpi.com. Bonzel Postal and Imaging. Give your home business a real business address. Alright, moving on to the baseball trade deadline here. So let's bring in Mark Berquist now. How you doing, Mark? I'm doing good. How are you, Alex? Oh, doing well. You know, trade deadline came in and I was honestly very happy with it. So I don't know about yeah. you. <laughs> it, was, it was very, very exciting, to tell you that much. So so the first question I obviously want to ask you is, uh, on this trade deadline, what trade do you think made the biggest impact? Oh, it's got to be Darvish for the Dodgers, right? Yeah, I think that's got to be for this be. year. For this yeah. year, yeah. It, it has to be. and It's too early to tell the overall impact for most, for most of these trades. Uh, so as of right now, I'm going to say Darvish. As in terms for the future, it's probably going to be Quintana to the Cubs. Ooh, okay. Uh, they got they got a really good outfielder, Eloy Jimenez. Um, 
it, no, the Cubs made some really good trades, and and even the White Sox uh, with the players that they that they got rid of in Quintana and Frazier and uh, Robertson. Right, and in, in, in the bulk of trades, if I could put them yeah. all together, I would say the Chicago White Sox yeah. definitely made the most, yeah. like the best moves. The whole, and that, yeah, I mean, that's that's going to be a team where you're not going to see those trades really, you know, work out until maybe three, four years from now when when most of those guys are starting to play for them. Now I know you're going to have a strong opinion on this one, but I think I think two years of control on Sonny Gray might be a trade that actually does help for the future for the Yankees. No, I I, re- I really think it does. Uh, I don't like the Yankees that much. This is me, my, my bias. But I, I think the moves that they made this offseason, or not this offseason, the straight deadline were, were very beneficial to them. And that really shot them from, you know, maybe the sixth best team into the AL to, to maybe the, you know, second, third, or fourth. They, yeah. They've given themselves a really, really good shot to win that division. Yeah, I definitely agree. I just I think they're hitting still a little too weak and too young. They're getting exposed a little bit at the plate. Red Sox definitely have more veteran season hitters as the year as the season goes on towards the end. Here, they're starting Absolutely. to take over. Absolutely, it's 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 just going to be interesting to see how the how uh, all these trades really work out. Uh, no. I'm excited to see what happens. Yeah, was there a trade that really surprised you? Whew. I don't think there were that many trades that were all that surprising, to be honest with you. I think it was more so some of the guys that didn't move or teams that didn't didn't make a move, right. like the Astros. I think that that was more surprising. There wasn't necessarily a move, but it was the lack of moves. You and um, Dallas Keiko both on that one. Yeah, like the Astros didn't make an upgrade, and I think they could have upgrade, upgraded their starting pitching. Right. I really, I really think they could have, and they could have maybe added one more bat to their lineup. Now I'm not going to fall into the trap that everyone else has and, and say that the Baltimore Orioles shouldn't have gotten Hellickson and Beckham because I guess it's working. I don't know how that's going, but apparently he, they helped turn that rotation and lineup around. Sometimes you got to take a shot, especially in a division like that where there's where there's really three teams that are well, not I'm not, really yeah. vying for that playoff spot. There suddenly you're you're or even even four. You know that that division as a whole is just so good. You have you have to make moves like that if you want to try and compete. Yeah, well, all my blessings to the Orioles on that one. So, uh, so I'm gonna put you on the spot. I'm gonna put you on the yeah. I'm gonna put you on the spot here. And uh, as of right now, what is what is your World Series prediction? This is this is so hard because the easy way out of this, the easy out of this question is Dodgers Indians. Oh, I like it. But but that's not gonna be my answer. I I like Uh, that one. It's. It's ideal because the Dodgers are just so dominant, but they're also the Dodgers. They haven't won a World Series in, what, 30 years? <laughs> haven't been able to make it out of the, the NLDS. Oh, and, yeah. Well, just taking it as a whole, I mean, is it really that surprising to say that I, I might say Cubs-Indians? No, Again? no, I'm okay with that. I I agree with you. I I I have Indians Nationals because I'm I've always been a believer in the Nationals, and I think they only have one more year after this one. So I'm hoping mm-hmm. Kinsler, Sean Doolittle, do even more than what I expect. Talk but about the bullpen for the Nationals, you can't. Uh, I, yeah. I just I don't think the Red Sox have the bullpen to do it. Addison Reed was a nice addition. Not going to do it for them. Um, it's like the Red Sox bullpen. And the Astros starting pitching need to switch, and then we'll we'll bet on that team. Yeah. All right. Well, thanks for coming on, Mark. Thanks for talking baseball with us. Thanks for having me out. Well, that's all the time we have this week. Big thanks to Mark Burquist. 
Make sure to check out Moose's Mulligans on Facebook and Twitter.com slash Moose's Mulligans. You can find us on Periscope at Moose's Mulligans, where you can ask questions live on your screen, and, well, we'll answer them, answer them to the best of our ability. That's it for this week, and until next week, remember, fairways and greens, no mulligans. We'll see you next week.